Hey, this is Rich. This is Cass. This is Jacob. This is Luke. Yes, Salut, c'est Jonathan Mercier. Welcome to the Hillsong Creative Micropod. Hello and welcome to the Hillsong Creative Podcast. This is Rich Langton speaking. And as always, I am really glad that you've joined us. I'm not sure where you find yourself right now, whether you are living normal life or whether you are back in lockdown as we are here in New South Wales. But wherever you find yourself, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on this journey of, uh, you know, the intersection of faith and creativity here on the podcast. We've got a great episode for you today. It's another team talk. And uh, I don't want to say too much about it. I'll let it speak for itself. But today we have Cass Langton, our global creative pastor, myself and Annie Garrett, who's our Hills creative pastor. And we're talking about teachable moments. So I will jump straight into it now. I hope you enjoy it and I hope it blesses you. And I hope that this is a teachable moment. Talk to you soon. Okay, so Cass, it's been a busy day here. But every moment is a teachable moment. Right. Right. So when I say that, when I read out that little topic that we're talking about today, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, really, 20 years ago, sitting in Donna Crouch's office and having a conversation with her where she said to me, um, the why is always more important than the what. <laughs> so what you do doesn't matter nearly as much as the reason as to why you're doing it. And I think that that is a key when it comes to teaching people about culture and what we do. Right. What made you remember that? Well, really. Why has it stuck with you? Because <laughs> um, I think it was actually groundbreaking and, and so instrumental in helping me to realise there was always more going on. Right. There was always a bigger reason for what we were doing. Things like um, I can remember the first time I was serving on her team in church and she took me down to an altar call and turned me around and she said, every little thing that you did Monday to Friday, the run sheets, the typing, the answering emails, the opening letters, the calendars, the bits and pieces all work towards this one moment of people in church encountering Jesus and receiving salvation. And somehow she was able to put a a reason for why I just did all that work Monday to Friday in my hand that made the contribution that I was making to the kingdom really tangible. Mm, I love that. Um, what's interesting, so we came up with these topics. Yep. Um, and when we were talking about being teachable and whatnot, um, uh it felt like a good idea at the time, but <laughs> but, but um, when it comes to um, you know, I guess talking about being teachable, it could sound like we know everything, and that we you know, as the I guess the leaders and the pastors of Hillsong Creative, that we just want to be here telling people uh, all of what we know and how we want it done and all of that, right. and and our way and all and that kind of tone can sometimes be heard in, even in the topic. Mm. Um, and I love that that when you – the first thing that came to mind for you was actually um, something that can point us straight back to Jesus, to the Word of God. Um, and I guess from that perspective, Annie, um, if you had to boil down why it is that we do what we do, what would you say if someone says, why do you do what you do? Because Cass is saying, point to the why. What is the why? What's our why for everything like we do? Like my personal why or big picture? Or? Let's go with yours. 
Well, I guess, I mean, everything first comes out of I am a Christian, therefore I'm a disciple, therefore my life is about following Jesus. So that's got to be brought into all the different things that I do, whether it's reading my Bible or the way I speak to someone in the office and the way, like that's actually the center at the end of the day. Yeah, Mm. That's what we align ourselves with. Yeah. And as far as being teachable or whatnot, has that... Is that something that comes naturally to you? <laughs> I would hope so. Um, I would hope so. Today I had a meeting, just being honest. I had a meeting with someone, and I went into the meeting with a plan and with an idea of what I was going to say, and which I think is a good way to approach a meeting sure. and honor someone's time. And towards the end of the meeting, I just went, you know what? After having a conversation and hearing from that person and their experience and what they thought about something, I just went oh, I'm not sure what I think anymore. I'm going to have to think about it. Because I learned something and it changed what my plan was. Right. And in that conversation, I I learned something and I decided, oh, I don't know what to do anymore. I've got to go back and revisit that. Mm. And so I'm pretty, probably because I'm in a new position, I'm pretty aware that there's a lot I still need to learn and that I don't know. So I think that is, I'm naturally geared towards that right now, especially. Yeah. I was like, going to say- Still you- learning, still- Lots of things I'm finding out no, about. No, you were in my office last week and we were talking and you went, can you just tell me when you don't like stuff, when I'm doing stuff yeah. wrong, I want to actually get it right. Yes. So you have a real humility in how you are approaching this season. I appreciate um, if I'm doing something and it's not right. or I, I actually appreciate that hmm. correction because I see it as something that's going to help grow me, not just something I'm doing wrong. Yeah. But I think you have to choose to look at it that way. Yeah. What's... Can I ask a question? Yeah, go. What's the balance between being teachable and leading? Right. Like, how do you know when to be teachable and when to actually pull rank and lead this thing forward? Mm. I think you can do both at the same time. I'm not sitting around waiting for someone to tell me what to do all the time because then I'm not leading. But mm. I think you can have a, a posture that is open. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would hope that you guys mm. feel like that I have a posture where you guys feel like you can approach me and, and if you see something, mm. you can talk to me about it. Because mm. I'm leading and I, I'm confident what yeah. I'm doing. But And I've, I've actually said that. I think I know I've messaged you at one point. I, I sat in a service <laughs> and it was like a, um, a message and it said like, if you don't, do you have people in your life that will call you out on stuff? And I mm. messaged you and I was like, if you see stuff, please let me know. Yeah. Mm. So I've given you permission, but I also think we can lead in a way that let people feel like they can speak into that, the yeah. right people. Yeah, I agree. I think that, I mean, if you go back, I was reading Stephen some proverbs earlier about uh, essentially there's many proverbs that speak to this this kind of topic of being teachable. Um, and I, I guess I, I like to start the conversation. I wanted to start here by, by focusing in on, I guess, why why should we be teachable or you know what what is the why behind what we're doing and then um i guess focusing in on the fact that as christians that um our our posture should be one of humility one of learning yeah. um being teachable by through the word of god through the holy spirit through others mm-hmm. um and so that even though when we're leading because of that tension there is a tension of you you know we do lead but at the same time we need to have this spirit of still being able to to learn mm. um but but by starting with that place of humility i think then then we're in the right space yeah. we're not um going to treat people w- with an air of pride or um or or with a, a, some sort of arrogance that says we can't learn 
Right. Which, if I'm honest, the last 18 months have thrown everything that is our normal up in the air. <laughs> and we've like been trying to work out what to catch and um, like, to be honest, what should stay, what should go as mm. we move forward into what God's got for us. And I think that is the perfect precursor for being humble and teachable because you realise there's so much you don't know about the world, mm. so much you don't know about other people's experiences of life, um, so many things in a COVID reality where people have experienced things really differently to I have, mm. but in terms of race, gender, like all sorts of things that are current hot topics in the world where all of us as leaders have to adopt a position when we come to a table that go, tell me about your experience. Mm. Tell me about who you are. Tell me your story mm. and let me learn right now because I have one worldview that is my worldview, but it isn't necessarily right. Mm. right. Like I love watching my dad because he's like 70 and he's just done his um, master's in theology and like his lifelong quest has been to learn. Mm. And I think for all of us to be like that and realise that the world's a very big place and there's a lot to know, but we don't know everything, mm. is a pretty lovely leadership stance to have. Yeah. So then when it comes to uh, pastoring and leading a creative team, um, with the stance of humility, <laughs> with the stance that every, every um, interaction can be a teachable moment, how do you build culture? How do you build that into people? Well, <laughs> what, we have, what I have found is... You can, you do need to speak culture and share culture and express it, but nothing teaches. I don't think anything is as powerful as your own personal example. I can tell somebody what the culture is around here, mm. so I'm blue in the face. But if it's if I don't live it out, if I don't model it, if they couldn't look at me and go, oh, I, I see that, because then there's there's no point mm. because it it's not really the culture if I'm not right. a part of it. So I think that's something that I have learned the most is it the power of personal example is like is huge. Yeah. Cuz people will follow what they see, not just what they hear. Mm. They'll follow what they actually see you doing. Yeah. Um, good or bad. <laughs> yeah, right. And Pastor Brian often talks about us not um well that we have to be the culture. Yeah. Um you can't just talk about culture I, he has a better a way of saying that that i can't remember it right now <laughs> but it's but it's more or less that we have to be the yeah. culture um i can imagine people listening at home and they're like how i don't know if i can live up to the expectations of that but i think the beautiful thing about being the culture is that you become it like it's a process of embedding things into yourself like I think about we have a value for the house of God. Mm. But that starts with the really simple things like when you walk in the back dock and you see a piece of paper on the ground, you don't wait for somebody else to pick it up, you pick it up yourself. Mm. I think if we want to develop a culture of authenticity and feedback, then it means that after the morning services in the green room, instead of letting things slide, we actually address things in our team and we go, hey, this morning, guys, um, we could have done this better or we, it would be really great if we thought about this or, you know, our main purpose when we get up to lead worship is to call people to worship God. We're forgetting to do that. Like just remind them mm. of the things that we value. Mm. And I think constant reinforcement, like we share kids. So <laughs> we have two <laughs> kids and um, the way that they become the people that we're hoping for them to become is by continuously having the little conversations yeah. rather than waiting until there are massive conversations and then it takes all of our energy and then it becomes stressful and mm. then we think we don't cut it. It's like in the, hey, don't forget, close the fridge, put your shoes away, don't do this, where we become these people because we value our home. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think maybe being the culture is, is not as um, daunting as it could sound yeah. because 
again, what it comes back to is trying to be as Christ-like as possible and yeah. implementing that wherever you find yourself or you know, in all of the interactions that we find ourselves in. Um, so then shifting gear a little bit, in our practically speaking for our team, um, we, there's a whole bunch of different uh, places where we interact, where we where we ca- could have moments of teachability, if that makes sense, um, where we could learn from our team or they could learn something from out you know from the mm-hmm. moment um so for example um either of you can speak to this but in our pre-service prayer me- meetings Cass, you already sort of touched on it but um how do we use those as teachable moments to create you know the culture we want to see i think um even what you said with your kids there is a culture but you have to remind people of it and so we do a lot of things here that are repetitive so we have worship every sunday morning and it's for a reason but Um, things like rehearsals and teams coming in, we use that prayer meeting to remind people, even though we know, to remind them, this is what we're doing this morning. Remember who's coming. Remember there's people that we're going to lead that wouldn't um, have maybe never been to church this morning. People who have never, like always reminding people and lifting their eyes to like the bigger picture of what we're a part of because then you respond differently in the moment. Mm. So I think things like that is where we're just reinforcing that culture just through what we talk about and what we say. Mm. And I love that um, on the other side of that, there are people who turn up on Sunday mornings and they serve breakfast in the green room. And that's part of us um, hopefully creating a culture where our people who come to serve are valued Mm. and they are looked after. So in the subtle non-verbal communication, Mm. we're building culture there Mm. we're building culture by turning on the lights making the room warm making sure there are pastors there to talk to our people and Mm. to care for them um at the start of the year we talked about um a worship manifesto and so i've got up in my office that worship manifesto ready to go on the wall of that green room so that subtly at every turn we're just reinforcing the things that we value as leadership this year Mm. and reminding people of what matters yeah you said about people coming and serving breakfast for others, mm-hmm. um, and I know that there might be people going, yeah, well, um, what about those people? You know, they're, they're not getting breakfast, they're just serving. What would you say to that? They're 100% eating breakfast too if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually think that there's a higher culture that says we're all laying our lives down for each other and preferring each other. Yeah. Mm. And so then in them serving breakfast – they're actually showing their love for Christ in preferring the people that are in the room. And mm. so that's part of it. It's like um, the production guys turn up early and they're there before everybody else. And they turn the lights on. And like I've watched Reed Wall the other day teach a masterclass on the things that he does before our band turn up. And mm. it's inspiring the number of checks and things that he does to make sure that when the next group of people turn up, it is ready to go. The Mm. next group of people that turn up are our drummers and our bass. Mm. And they turn up ready to get things right before the next musicians turn up. Mm. And then when the musicians turn up, then the singers turn up, and there's this process that happens. The thing that I love about our culture is that when people fail to turn up or they turn up late or they're tardy or sloppy or they don't know the songs, Mm. there's an underwriting culture that actually holds people accountable to a higher standard Mm. because everybody is laying down their lives and coming prepared and ready Mm. because we value how we serve God in our Mm. church. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's it's really important as leaders that we are acknowledging everyone's contribution. Mm. Right. And that um, I guess we've worked really hard and we continue to work hard to see 
people's contribution. We don't always see it all and we don't always acknowledge it all, but but we try hard to do that and mm. to instill that into our other Okay, so we had a culture shift because we used to say, I can't believe we get to do this. And what people actually started to hear and I can't believe I get to do this is that was our way of making you work harder for us. Mm. So we flipped it and we started saying, we can't thank you enough for doing this. Mm. And I think things that start off really healthy in culture can actually get misinterpreted. Mm. And so when they become an unhealthy um, mechanism for control or dominating people mm. i think we've got to be conscious as leaders to be aware of that and then shift it yeah. so that we're not perpetuating an unhealthy culture amongst us yeah and we've taught lots over the years yes. um when when times have gotten tough and we've um, been asked to do things we don't want to do um we've at one time or another we've challenged each other on the fact that we don't have to do this as in mm. we do this because we feel called under god yeah and we're serving him not the person who's asking us to do something. Mm-hmm. And um, I was reading in Colossians um, in chapter 3, end of second part, about how um, it's talking about servants or slaves or whatnot, but but I, I feel like as an employee, <laughs> it, you know, it relates to us, where it talks about um, that concept of, of no matter what you're asked to do, no matter who's asking you, you're working unto God and you're mm-hmm. giving and that service, that laying down your life, is actually for him, right. and a, and a reflection of uh, our relationship with him. And so it's almost like when it's the hardest, that's the most, that's actually glorifying him more. And um, and I think that's for us, for me, that's been really helpful. Doesn't mean I'd like everything that I have to right. do or or whatnot, but it means that again, I guess getting back to the start, there's this higher purpose, and it puts it into the right into the right category even um, of type of activity that this is actually um, honouring to God activity. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just meaningless or menial. Um, hence my question about the, the feeding breakfast and whatnot because right. I know that sometimes it's easy to get get caught up on what seems menial and and to, to feel like we have more to offer. We probably do. But in that moment, it's like almost equal sacrifice. Yeah, and the Bible says that we do everything as unto the Lord, right? And so therefore, um, the work becomes worthy and it becomes holy when it is surrendered to Jesus. Mm. Like um, I can think of so many things that I've done in my life at church that I didn't do for people. I did it for Jesus. Like, and, it, and it's lovely that people benefit from it and people say thank you for it and people like it. But if they don't, then like, I kind of feel like it's even better because you're storing up treasure in heaven. Margaret Stunt mm. talked about it this morning at Sisterhood and she kind of said, um, I like it when people don't say thank you because they're my thank yous in heaven. Mm. I think some of it, we have to just come to the table with that perspective. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So thank yous in heaven's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but how do, you, how do we, um, and I don't, I don't think we do it well all the time, but how do we keep being self-aware of the shifts that need to take place. So when something goes from, I can't believe we get to do this, to needing to shift it to more of a thank you kind of culture. Yeah, I think for me that one was an interesting one because like, I resonate with I can't believe we get to do this. I have often thought I can't believe I get um, trusted to sit in hospital rooms with people while their kids 
are not well. Mm. I can't believe that I get trusted to steward a team of worshippers. I can't believe that the Lord actually lets me open the Bible and encounter him every day. I can't believe that I get to build the church. So for me, I think that's been a really pure-hearted statement. But I um, actually was talking to one of our girls in Cape Town, Mandy, and she said, I think it started there, and she said, oh, um, we've actually found that on the ground it's become a little bit toxic because... um, People were twisting it and saying, well, I can't believe that I have to clean the toilets this morning. I can't believe it. And they were using it to describe the menial jobs that they were doing in church. Mm. And she said, instead of it being um, lifting people's eyes higher, what it was actually doing is focusing on the grunt work and the hard stuff and feeling like they were put in the positions of doing all the leftover kingdom work or Mm. work. And I went, as soon as we have those sort of things, I think it's worth us asking ourselves why people might feel like that. And then I noticed here in Australia, I think one of our guys in college, he posted something um, something along the lines of, I can't thank you enough for doing this. He said, what would happen if we changed the words of that? Mm. And I think what I was noticing was there was a sentiment on the ground that didn't actually hold to that statement like I held to it. Mm. And so therefore it didn't matter what I meant, what was being heard was something different. And so we had a responsibility as leaders mm. to just shift things a little bit mm. back to what we were actually trying to communicate. Mm. And so, and I think that happens all the time. Mm. I think part of leadership is working out how to work the balance between what's healthy and what's not and and bring correction when we're out of alignment. Mm. Part of what you've just said really relies on having sort of eyes to see and ears Mm. to hear. And it it relies on really relationship and Mm. care for people. Um, I guess, Annie, I feel like you're really good at that and Mm. in your coming into your new role as, like, for those of you listening who don't know this, um, Annie now oversees our Hills creative team. But coming to that role, Mm. I've seen you really be intentional about seeing people and about making sure that relationships are real. Mm. Could you speak to that and your heart towards that and why it matters? Yeah. um, I just think even though there's things that have to get done at the end of the day and we're trying to accomplish things. It can't feel like people can't feel like they're a means to an end. And I think people feeling valued as a person over their gift, over what they can do for you is everything. Mm. And I think when people know that they're valued for who they are, they'll stay when it's tough. They'll, you know, like they can, they can do the hard seasons because yeah. you actually are invested into them as a person. Not that that means, you know, we all have to get a job done, but I just think that has to be number one. And mm. so before, I guess, the work, I will always ask someone like, how are you finding things on team? How are you? How are you? Because I can learn mm. from their experience mm. and I can learn what, if I'm doing something that's not working or... And like what Cass said, we have to be aware as leaders, like if this is someone's experience, I've always got to say, did I do something to contribute to that? Or are we sending messages mm. that are making you feel that way, even if it's unintentional? We still, even though we have a culture and we mm. have a way, we've got to be able to step back and go, are we saying what we're wanting to say? Or by doing this, is it sending a different message? I think we constantly have to be just kind of checking that stuff. Yeah. And this season has been so good for that because... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we've kind of had to stop and pause and look at everything we do and go, is this what we're wanting to be doing? Is it still achieving what we want it to do? So, yeah, but I think people feeling valued has got to be our starting place. Yeah. There's a, f- a bunch of other areas that I, that we had jotted down here of places where um, they're really moments of interaction that can be teachable. Um, 
I feel like it'd be great to just even go through some of them quickly just to give examples to people listening who might run teams or, mm-hmm. you know, even our, our teams around Australia listening. Um, so team nights, we, they're pretty key to us. Yeah, for sure. For us. Why are they important to us? And yep. what's your, um, even speaking to our team, why should they come to team night? Um, <laughs> because they're part of our team. I think um, we've <laughs> always said if you want to belong, you can belong. But actually, it has to be a choice first on the person. And Team Night puts you in a position where you are part of a community. Um, oh, I read a really interesting Bornhofer quote, which I have loved over the last little while. It says, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, Team Night is a place where we actually go, the romance of community and the actual um, rubber hits the road of what it looks like to live with people in community. Um, that's team night. That's mm. the place where our dreams get worked out with the actual fact of it. Mm. And to be honest, I don't think being in community is the easiest thing. I think it's mm. actually a hard place to be. Mm. And I think sometimes you feel like you're right in the centre of it all and other times you feel like you're right on the outskirts. Mm. But part of our commitment as a church is that we continue to put ourselves in community because it is where we are challenged, where we grow, where we outwork our giftings, where we find strength when we're weak, when we find encouragement, when we can't keep going. Mm. And sometimes we just turn up when we feel broken and Mm. messy. Mm. And I think for us team night, it's a place where you begin to work out how you can connect into serving and how you can um, further your discipleship journey by Mm. actually putting your hand to the plough and choosing to build something. It's a place where you get encouraged. It's a place where we, I think it's one of the places where we worship as a team, Mm. not we facilitate the worship. And so we take time out to go we actually value this as a community Mm. it's a time for training it's a time for input it's a time where we teach culture like Mm. literally talk about who we want to become yeah and it's also um a place for people to come to and contribute to that culture yeah right Mm. so it, Mm -hmm. it i often think of it a bit like a um a jigsaw puzzle where you can have one piece missing and the and the whole picture is messed up because you have that one piece missing and it's it's a bit like that if you have a team and there's a piece missing then it's not the complete picture of yeah. of perhaps what god intended mm. um okay other things area there's areas like our rostering uh an interaction that's teachable a teachable moment do you guys have any thoughts on that go on any <laughs> on the actual rostering of something yeah let me give you a bit more frank I, I, No, no, I think um, it's like teaching a kid to turn up for a basketball game. Like we're a part of a team, we all show up. Often when you get rostered, you want to pick and choose what's comfortable or what's not. People go, I don't like coming early in the morning, but I'll do a Sunday night. I don't. And I think some of that is um, our Christian response is to kill our flesh. Mm. And so there's some things that I don't want to do. I don't want to come early on a Sunday morning either, but I choose to because I am part of this Mm. and I'm a contributor. And I think often our rosters give us moments to teach about the things that we value. So one thing is diversity. Like we want to see different ages, different um, genders, different nationalities represented on platform. It's a value we have because we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we are all welcome here. Mm. And so there are things like that that rostering is a perfect vehicle for helping people and articulating some of that. Yeah. Yeah, is that what you mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, right. yeah and the, um, I guess some of those sorts of things we wouldn't necessarily always talk about. Mm. Um, right. They're things that we do by, by just the fact that we do them because 
the values behind that stuff right. is just inbuilt. Yeah. But we don't talk about it. Um, and right. I thought, we should. <laughs> but like if you watch um, Jad or Dave Weir roster worship leaders even, often they will roster a more senior worship leader with a junior worship leader because we value generations mm-hmm. and longevity. And we are building a church for tomorrow, not just for today. Yeah. Um, if you watch how we roster musicians, we'll often roster a new guy in one position but put a really strong band around them because we want them to succeed because mm. we're not trying to set people up for fails and make them feel stupid. We're actually trying to put wins in their bank account so they feel confident and secure in what they bring and they can contribute. Yeah, and then from a pastoral care perspective, um, this may be something Annie could talk to, but it, I know it's it's as... As boring as rosters or as menial as rosters, but when someone declines and they continue to decline, we can either see that as just that person doesn't want to contribute or they're just being lazy or not, or we could put on a different set of glasses and perhaps look beyond Mm -hmm. uh, to the person. Um, I don't know if you've experienced that. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) I think that... First yeah, you hand. can look at your <laughs> rosters as just this functional thing, but I I feel quite passionate that we have to steward it because it's people. It's the people thing and it's the value thing again. Mm. It's not a group of people on the stage making the weekend happen. It's a group of people with families, with lives, mm. with things going on that are deciding to serve. And so somebody always being late, there could be something more to it. Yeah. Someone always declining or someone dropped off the roster and we didn't notice. That, mm. that probably has like feels like something to them so i think we actually have to steward them and pay attention to them and and follow up with people and mm. and be in the people's world to know what's actually going on and mm. not just that we're ticking the box and getting our weekends covered yeah i think it's really interesting working with a whole lot of volunteers and staff because often um <laughs> we don't even understand what we're doing when we roster mm. so we people go missing off rosters and we fail to have the conversation with them that explains why that might be happening at the moment mm. or why we've made changes and I think we are constantly in the tension of going with our key people and with our volunteers mm. we actually need more communication and mm. more conversation around the rosters because it has the ability to rot people's security mm. almost more than anything else Absolutely. in church life. Because mm. you, you on the other side of it, you think things are being communicated that maybe aren't even being said. Yes. Yeah, and so while we're very intentional about it, we can also unintentionally oh. make mistakes mm. or yeah. miss people or whatnot or communicate something we're not intending to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's where I guess it comes back to us, um, again, the humility piece of um, – on one side, acknowledging that we're not we're not always we don't always get it right, mm. but on the flip side, um, people being um, open enough to come and have that conversation as well, right? Um, and for us to be able to have those interactions, um, I guess again a learning interaction mm. with someone we've missed. And, and apologise where, where that's needed. Which and it's pretty vulnerable for people being rostered to actually come and ask questions because often they'll feel like maybe they're not good enough or maybe something's yeah. changed. Yeah. I can remember talking to one of our girls and she went, I'm so sorry, like finally plucked up the courage to ask. And what had actually happened was she'd taken herself off for maternity leave and, mm. and had communicated she wanted to come back on the roster, but we just missed that. And so she'd gone for like 10 months without being rostered back on the roster yeah and i think it's easy if it's an oversight but if there's a real reason then we actually owe it to people to have conversations yeah um and that's rough on both sides (laughs) it can be Mm -hmm. yeah 
just a couple of other questions before we wrap it up. I feel like obviously 2020 and now 2021 around the world, it's, uh, we're still in a, you know, pretty interesting place. There's a lot of, I guess, flux in the way (laughs) (laughs) things are happening, even in Australia at the moment. Some of us have got restrictions in place and some, in some parts we don't, but then around the world, you know, our different campuses are in all sorts of different positions. How, or is there anything to say right now that, uh, that we could say to our teams and those listening around, I guess, moving forward with culture and being teachable even now? Is it especially important? I've stumped you both. No, <laughs> yes, I think it is. I yeah. think this has been a season that has been incredibly easy for people to disconnect. Mm-hmm. And we are more than ever just going back to the basics and making sure are we doing the basics? Do people know who we are as a team and understand the basics? Like, have we, do they feel that? Do they know that? Mm-hmm. And constantly asking, is is what we're doing, so is this still working? Because mm-hmm. like none of us have ever led in a season yeah. like this before. Yeah. And so I have said many times and said to people, it's actually okay to feel like you don't know what you're doing. We've never done this before. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever led like this in a pandemic and when churches couldn't meet. And so mm-hmm. in some senses, we've come back to the drawing board and been re-looking at what we're doing and why we're doing it and making sure we're doing all those things. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, yeah, it's pretty important. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote myself some notes in my note section of my iPhone recently about ways that I want to lead in this season. And my first one was um, that I want to hear people and I want to lift them higher. Like when we got married, there was this whole thing about um, don't answer feeling with fact, Mm -hmm. actually listen to what the person is telling you. And then at the right moment, come back with the reality. So um, I think that's helped us in our marriage a lot. But it made me ask myself, am I creating good forums for discussions, honest conversations about how people are navigating this season, how they're feeling? Um, would I know, like I, I wrote to myself, Cass, would you know if co-workers are going through a hard time? Would you know mm. if people's kids are struggling? Would mm. you know if people are hurting? Um, uh, would you know what their major issue is at the moment? Would you know how they feel when they walk into church? Would you would you know how they feel like they are valued in team? And then I wrote myself, but do you stop there or do you help lift people's heads higher? When you're listening to people, mm. are you pointing them to Jesus? Mm. Are you living a Psalm 121 life when it comes to our team? Mm. And I think like... This season is like no other season that we've ever navigated and therefore it probably takes a whole lot more um, of a willingness to understand mm. the people that we rub up against and know yeah. their realities mm. because that will help to explain a lot of the why behind their what's. Yes. Right. I think of people who have lost their jobs and who actually can't serve on a Sunday anymore. Mm. And people who, over the last season, their kids got sick. And so instead of wanting to serve in our production team, they actually want to sit with their family in church. Mm. And if I understand and I have listened, then I can actually walk Jesus into their situations with them and not just create demands and unrealistic pressure on them. Mm. But I can help lift their heads higher as well Mm. to see what Jesus has for them. Mm. It's lovely. Yeah, I think that, um, like we've talked about, uh, reality is um, all of us, um, need to be uh, need to approach life with humility if we're Christians. We need to approach life with a sense of learning and growing. And 
And therefore, every interaction that we have, either leading or following, mm. is an area to learn and to grow. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess to speak to what, you're, what you've said there, Cass, um, the, uh, if anything, if 2020 has ta- taught us anything in this season, it's, it's really that, to be, to be learning. Mm. Um, and and I, I think that as leaders, it's really difficult. Uh, it's a difficult season to lead in. Um, but it's this amazing opportunity that mm. we have oh, right yeah. now where our, I think our eyes can be open to, like you said, the reality of people's situations like never before. And we can build relationships like never before. And we can be the kind of 1 Corinthians 12 body of Christ in a new way that we haven't been before. Mm. Um, and, and from that perspective, did you have something? You were I was just going to say, and the opportunities now, they've changed. So church used to look a certain way, but now it looks a different way. And yeah. the online world opens up different opportunities. Mm. So in terms of teachability, it doesn't necessarily even have to be about culture. It could be about what can we do to reach more people? What yes. can we do to um, uh, transition or go on some form of metamorphosis to become <laughs> what God's got for us. Like mm. I think of so many people I look at in our team over the last season have learned new skills because yeah. the opportunity actually presented itself and they chose to be teachable. Mm. And I love that because then it means that what we're now able to do has changed because yeah. people have chosen to change. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Uh, we had dinner with Pastor Willie Dumas uh, just yep. last week. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know him, He's an amazing Aboriginal pastor here in Australia. And he, I guess he reminded me yet again um, of that, uh, of the reality that every moment is a learning moment, it's a learning opportunity. Uh, I'm sure he didn't mean to be teaching us as much as, as he did, but just sitting with the man, um, you could see that that's how he approaches life. Mm. Yeah. I loved, there was a moment where we all talked about um, what is it that your culture specifically brings to the table. And Mushiri, who I believe was on the podcast last week, is our head of production from Kenya. And he said, my culture values and respects aging. Mm. And he said, my whole life I have looked forward to getting older because you get drawn into the centre of the community and you become the wise one who can contribute at a higher level because of... Um, what you have learnt throughout life. Mm. You actually become the teacher. But he said in Western culture, Mm. we actually relegate the aged to the edges of society. And Mm. when he came here, he found it very, very disheartening, our value of that. Mm. And it made me realise again that every culture has something that we could teach each other. Mm. And if we would shut up enough to listen (laughs) to what other people bring, Mm. then maybe we could become the community that Jesus intends for us to be by actually taking the true value of each culture and putting it right into the middle of who we are. Yeah. And if we become each other's strengths and lose our weaknesses, mm. it will be beautiful. Yeah. And in that, I think that applies to cultures and um, genders and different backgrounds and different, just even different ways of thinking and yeah, creativity. For sure. Um, and so, um, yeah. I guess thank you both for joining me on today's team talk. <laughs> and for those of you listening, I guess I'd encourage you to um, to go away and, and with your team, perhaps think about some of these things. Think about how every interaction can be a teachable moment. Um, and in that, I'm, I think that uh, the Lord will take us all forward. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks. 
Well, thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope that it, hope that it's really useful to you. If the podcast is useful and helpful to you, if you're enjoying it, then I'd love to invite you to share it on social media or maybe to text it, you know, share a link with a friend. Uh, if you tag Hillsong Creative at Hillsong Creative, uh, maybe we'll repost you. I don't know. <laughs> and if, you, uh, if you're not yet subscribed, let me just take this opportunity to Uh, invite you to do that as well you'll get notified of new episodes whenever they're released also if you haven't heard we've launched a brand new podcast called the praying through the bible with hillsong creative it's designed to help you get more out of the word of god in your daily life so i'd encourage you to search hillsong creative or praying through the bible subscribe to that one too and of course obviously rate it and let us know how you're enjoying that one too well thanks again for being part of us and with us on the journey and we'll talk to you next time